this is Jan Swift, and you're listening to Discover Lafayette, a podcast dedicated to the people and rich culture of Lafayette, the gateway to South Louisiana. We tape Discover Lafayette with the support of Raider, a managed IT service provider that offers world-class service, including cybersecurity, communications, and technology support. With Raider, you have just one vendor and one number to call, allowing you to concentrate on what is most important, your business. For more information, visit RaiderSolutions.com. We're grateful for the support of Lafayette Surgical Specialty Hospital, a physician-owned hospital where doctors have direct involvement with every aspect of care provided to their patients. Its reputation for excellence in patient comfort, safety, and overall treatment is reflected in an average patient satisfaction rating of 98% or higher. Visit LafayetteSurgical.com to find out more. Discover Lafayette is also made possible with the support of Home Bank, who wants to ensure that you protect your identity and your assets. When you make a payment with a paper check, you're handing over all of your personal or business information, plus your bank account number. While you may find an occasional reason to write a check, when possible, choose to pay with cash, debit or credit cards, or with your phone's mobile wallet to stay ahead of identity thieves and protect your finances. Learn more at home24bank.com. Home Bank, member FDIC. Our guest today is Sally Creed, a licensed professional counselor who recently released the book For Crying Out Loud, The Benefit of Emotional Tears and the Movies That Bring Them On. Sally's been in practice for 30 years. She specializes in play therapy with children as young as two. She's also experienced in parenting issues, individual therapy for adolescents and adults, grief and trauma issues, and marriage and family counseling. This is actually Sally Creed's second time with us on the show, and I want to thank you, Sally, for joining us today and sharing this fun and intriguing book. Welcome to Discover Lafayette. Thank you, Jan. It's good to be back. It's always good to see you. We find out we have mutual friends, you know, from here in Lafayette, and you bring a sense of fun to what can be a a serious topic, you know, Mm -hmm. getting psychological counseling, which probably most of us need or have needed at some point in our life. Can you give us just a brief background about what led you to counseling? Uh, Well, the quickest answer I could give you would be God. Um, I was a secretary, uh, graduated LSU with a secretarial degree, which is not heard of today. Mm -hmm. And I was working in downtown Houston and had no idea why I was put on this earth. And I started praying. And I heard a I heard of a Christian counselor. I'd never heard of that before, and that's what got me started. Mm-hmm. I went to graduate school and never looked back. That's wonderful. And so the the <clears throat> range of people that you help, including our smallest ones, little children. I didn't know about play therapy until I met you for the first time almost four years ago when you were partnering with Better Options Initiative, and you introduced me to the concept yes. of play therapy. What is that? Play therapy is really the way you communicate with children. Children, um, they do not sit on your couch and tell you what a bad day they've had. They act out. You can tell by watching them. But uh, the playroom, and I have this huge playroom with this huge sandbox, and they walk in and they just start playing. And through their play, I can read what's going on. 
a lot of times what's mm-hmm. going on with kids. And it's funny because when I started counseling, I had a one-year-old. And the agency that I worked at used to send me all the children because I had a child. And yeah. I was like, I don't know what to do with these kids. So that's when I started the training. I see. And now I'm considered an expert, and I do a lot of court cases for kids. Okay. I represent the kid, the child. But you represent all ages, like uh, teens. Yes, adolescent uh, and adult. So if you can just touch on that, because I know your book is based on your years of experience in helping people, but what other types of uh, work have you done? Well, it's interesting because I started out working with adults, and it wasn't until I started seeing children that I kind of went warp speed in working with adults because we are all grown children, and Mm -hmm. most of our problems have started when we were little. So when you can understand how children are taught to stuff their feelings, don't talk about it, you kind of start asking adults, "What? tell me about your childhood. Mm -hmm. And then you start to find out that they've had some pretty bad things happen. So I do work with adults. You said marriage counseling. I used to do that. Is that not current? I don't do that much Mm -hmm. anymore. That's got to be a tough field. (laughs) Yes, there's other people that specialize in that. And so... Right. I usually refer when they call me for that. Right. I, um, I know when I was younger, when I would meet people that had what I thought was more stature than me or advanced years on me, I always tried to think of people as being three years old because I thought they are inside. Yes. But it helped me feel more relaxed because you can, you know, it can be intimidating when you meet people from all different walks of life. But I guess we're all still, we have vulnerabilities we all, side, do. Huh? we all do. We all wear masks. And that's kind of what I was talking about in this book, because mm-hmm. I've been working on this for 30 years. Well, not working on it, but it's been in my head for 30 yeah. years. Since 1998 huh? yes. or before. Um, yes. So why, why this book, though? Why did you think about this way back, that this would be an interesting topic? Well, when I went through grad school, I really thought people who cried were very weak. And I did not cry. I, I did everything I could not to cry. And I remember going to a retirement party for one of my professors in grad school, and everybody was crying because they loved him and they didn't want him to leave. And I'm over on the side cracking jokes. And somebody came up and said, Sally, this is a serious occasion. Why are you being so funny? And I'm like, it never even occurred to me that I did that. It was a defense mechanism. Mm -hmm. And I had a supervisor um, right out of grad school that worked with me on the importance of tears. And I remember at my wedding, I cried, and it it surprised me. Like cry happy? Yeah, happy cry. <laughs> not not like uh, I'm gonna. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> it was it was a happy thing. <laughs> and um, so I, I was driving to work one day. I don't even know. It was back in Houston, and I heard. I got the title for the book, For Crying Out Loud, Mm -hmm. You Need to Write a Book About Tears. So what I started doing as research is I started asking all my clients, the adults, what's your crime movie? Everybody knows what their crime movie is. Mm -hmm. And I would ask not just what it is, but why. What part of that movie makes you cry? When you would learn that, it gives you a lot of insight into what their issues are. Oh, I see. So it was helping them think, but also... Giving you the heads up. Yeah. And it's really interesting as a therapist, I always thought I was so privileged to be in the room the moment one of my clients would start crying because I thought they're trusting me, they're vulnerable. It is crying emotional tears is more vulnerable than standing buck naked in front of somebody because nobody knows what you're thinking Mm -hmm. if you're naked. But if you're crying, 
They know what you're thinking. They, right. they know that you're sad about something. And you know, in, in our society, especially in the workplace, you were talking about in the past, you had preconceived notions that tears might be a sign of weakness. But it's so difficult to feel like you can cry because people might use it against you depending on the circumstances. And I know you talk about that in the book, like how to cry, and we'll get into that. But yeah, tears, they make you vulnerable. But yet I read in your book that suppressing tears makes you feel physically and emotionally worse. Like holding in everything. Yes. Like putting that mask on as you talk about and holding in at some point you are gonna explode, something's gonna happen. Yes, and they have proven in studies that women live longer than men because men don't cry as much. Is that the reason? They said that's one of the reasons. Uh -huh. um, if men would cry more, maybe they would live longer. There's a chemical in our brains called manganese, and it can, it can control our moods. So, um, and, and there was, I got all this research out of a really great book called Crying, the Mystery of Tears, who wrote that, Sally? William H. Fry the okay. second, And he did all of the research on this that said, when you cry emotional tears, it removes manganese. There's more manganese in your tears than in your blood. And it can actually make you feel better. Hmm. That's why, and when I call it a good cry, I'm not talking that you had a couple of tears, but a, an ugly cry. A flat out, like, yes. yeah, bawling. Yeah. So when you do have a cry like that, you usually feel better. Now, uh -huh. some people tell me they don't feel better, but most people mm -hmm. report feeling better after crying. I want to point out, uh, this: your book, For Crying Out Loud, is such an easy and fun read. I mean, the whole book is probably, what, 100, not even quite 100 pages. But you go through at the beginning what motivated you, and then the you know, the physical part about tears. And so we all know about irritant tears. You talk about that, how like if you're cutting onions or you get a speck of something mm -hmm. in your eye, your body automatically um, starts releasing tears as a protective mechanism. Yes. But those tears are different right. in composition than these emotional tears. And I think, I can't remember the name of the man back in the early 1920s that... Came, they said tears are the first antibiotic. Right. And that right. when you, if you cut an onion and you did not cry irritant tears, it could blind you. Yeah, because of the sulfuric yes. acid, it would burn your eyes. So there's so many benefits of tears that we tend to think, you know, in our mm -hmm. society, it's, it's more acceptable to be angry and to blow up mm -hmm. than to cry. And I think that's tragic. I don't know that you talked about it in the book, but I'm wondering... You know, this is probably putting you on the spot, but you talk in the book about children just crying so easily. As you said when we opened up, you know what a child is thinking, unless they, I guess, unless they've really been traumatized or physically abused. But they, they cry at the drop of a hat with frustration or anger or whatever. But um, you think it's like that in all societies? Is this, a, this is a human response, right? Well, I know that infants do. That is their That's only I mean. way of communication. Yeah. And in all uh, countries, all, all regions of the world. Yes. And, you know, you pick them up to get them to stop crying. And mm -hmm. what happens, you know, children fall and they cry. And there's a point in their life where they're taught stop crying, yeah. or they're called crybaby. Mm -hmm. And that's not okay. In fact, this is funny. My son used to play baseball, YMCA baseball in, in Richmond, Texas. And he was shortstop, and 
my husband was, my late husband was a coach, and somebody was running the bases and ran into him, knocked the wind out of him. And I'm on the bleachers, and I stood up to go see. It's my son, and something said, sit back down. You know, nobody told me that, but I just thought, sit down. If you go mm-hmm. out there, he'll start bawling, because mm-hmm. mama induces tears with little kids. And so I let my husband handle it. He didn't cry, and we were good. But um, children, especially boys, are mm-hmm. taught, don't be a sissy, don't be a crybaby. And for that reason, and I mentioned this in the book, I have a little mirror in my desk drawer, and I will often pull it out when I'm with men, and I'll say, I want you to pull the corner of your eye down and see if you see the hole. And they're like, what is that? And I said, see if you see one in the other eye. And they're like, yes. And I'm like, that's your tear duct. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't need to cry, God would have left you with nothing. So, I mean, I let them know that it is okay to cry. And in your book, you actually, it's lacrimation, L-A-C-R-I-M-A-T-I-O-N, but tear ducts is yes. what we all say. But we all have them, right? Yes. We all have two. Humans, the only ones that cry. And people say, well, my dog cries. Well, that's not crying. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they have leaky eyes, but that's not tears. So tears are really the one thing that distinguishes us from the animal kingdom. Yes. They, they don't cry from emotion. And it's sadly, it's something we do not like to do as mm-hmm. humans. We don't mm-hmm. let them out. We hold them in. And that is so unhealthy. Right, right. So as, as you're um, working with your patients, and this comes out about the movies they like, I know in your book, um, there's a lot of different things we can talk about, but you you actually have like different categories that makes it so much fun to think about what what would touch me. If you if you can talk about that, you were telling my daughter earlier that different people will cry about different things. The only there's 150 movies in this book and the <laughs> the only real part you need to read is like the first 30 pages on on what why they're important mm-hmm. and then how to do it, my formula. And then you there's an index that says all the movies in there but like if you've got grief and loss issues, you don't need to go watch an animal, you know, love of animals section. So you can go to that section. We've watched, and people that have bought my book tell me we love this book. We've watched the best movies, but they don't all make you cry. Mm-hmm. They make you cry if they touch your heart. If there's something, something painful in your heart that you're holding on to and you see it in a movie, and you know you've been to a movie theater and you're swallowing it down, yeah. you know, because you really want to sob. And that's because it's something in there that's really touching your heart. Mm-hmm. And there, and I cannot watch a movie. I have, if I'm going to cry, I have to be alone. Of course, I'll talk about that later. Yeah, yeah. Well, go ahead and let's talk before we get into the mo- some of the categories. You have a technique for crying. And I like how specific you get even too about being by yourself. And I'll just mm-hmm. talk about that. Like the, it's it's a technique, I guess, just like learning how to tie shoes or something. <laughs> yes, and it doesn't mean that you can never cry unless you're alone. But if you really feel like you're you're really starting to like the volcanoes fixing to blow out the top mm-hmm. of your head because you've had so many things happen, sometimes you need to schedule a time to cry. And the number one rule is. You have to be alone. You will not cry if mm-hmm. there's another human in the room because you just won't. And I know I won't, but first of all, you have to be alone. If you know what your movie is, hopefully you'll have it in a format that has no commercials. So you cannot watch anything on Hulu because they have commercials at the most, you never know where it's going to mm-hmm. come. And for example, one of my cry movies is Steel Magnolias. Oh, yeah. And if you'll notice, if you've ever watched it, the saddest part of the movie happens within frames 
of the funniest part of the movie. So when you get to the part where you feel your emotions coming up, you pause it. Because on that movie, if, if I miss it and I forget to pause it, then I'll start laughing. And it just totally doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, that's what you need to do. And then I tell people, cry for anywhere from 5 to 20 minutes. And if you're in the house with other people, you know, because I used to always cry on Friday nights. Everybody was asleep. Mm-hmm. I was never bothered. But if you're watching and there's other people in the house, get a pillow so that when it's the part where you want to cry, put your head in the pillow. Nobody mm-hmm. will hear you and just wail. And uh, there's several movies in here that I have, you know, I've got, and I even put my top three in there, my top three crime movies that one of them, I watch it every 10 years. I can't watch it any time less than that. And that's too draining. That's a imitation of life. The Lana Turner version. Yeah. That's the saddest movie in the world. If you've ever seen it. Um, And, my husband was watching it not too long ago, and I had to sit behind him at the table watching it behind him, and I was crying mm-hmm. quietly. And that wasn't quite getting the job done, though. No, no. I, <laughs> he just happened to be watching, and I just <laughs> sat there, and I thought, okay, i got to get out of here. Well, before we jump into the movies, I want to, um, in, in all of our shows, we typically take a break and look back at a past interview. And I don't know if you know Dr. Brian Sibley. Um, he's I've a, heard him speak. Yeah. He spoke at Petroleum Club. He's one a of the ladies' teas. One local uh, pediatrician. He's yes. an author like you. He, um, he wrote a book called God First, Setting Life's Priorities. And Brian, like you, I think God led him to change his life, you know, to really focus on what's really important. In this clip we'll hear, he shares how his pastor, who used to be at um, Asbury United Methodist, Ed Boyd, if you remember him, um, Ed had a talk with him and got him to wake up and change how he prioritized his life by putting God first. So Brian has since experienced great success in his pediatric practice and his home life as he learned to put God first and he focuses first on faith and family and then he says everything else comes together. So we're just going to listen to a short clip. This moment is brought to us by FACET, a career, coaching, and talent management firm. FACET has helped the employees of hundreds of companies improve performance, find or move into their right position, or change careers. FACET can help your organization improve both the analytical and interpersonal sides of your business. Worry less, FACET more. For more information, visit facetgroup.com. I had a meeting scheduled with who then was the pastor at the senior pastor over at Asbury here in Lafayette, Ed Boyd. And, he, and you know, we were meeting, we'd met before, but it was the first time we sat down together for a while. And he said, and he said, tell me about yourself, uh, just like you did. And you may regret it too in a minute. I don't know. But <laughs> he, uh, he, in 15 minutes, turned into an hour and that turned into an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And when I finally took a breath after telling him all about myself, he said, uh, he said, three, he said several words. He said, uh, God first, uh, family second everything else third. Mm-hmm. And I sort of nodded my head, and I kept right on talking, and, and he stopped me there, and he said, no, no, listen to me. He said, um, put God first in everything that you do in your life. Um, every minute of every hour of every day, from the time you get up in the morning until the time you go to bed at night. And then after that, your second priority will be your family. Every minute of every hour of every day, from the time you get up in the morning until the time you go to bed at night. And he said, if you do this, what you're going to find is God will take care of the third thing, and that is everything else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I left his office that day and I was admittedly a little stunned because I had been taught and trained and educated to study hard and work hard and study hard and work hard. And right. I did those things, then success would be mine. You yeah. know? And, 
And um, a couple of weeks later, I was at my uh, desk in my office about two in the morning, working hard and studying hard. And, um, and I had a bit of a revelation. Our oldest child, uh, Lauren, who's now 27, mm-hmm. she was nine years old. And it occurred to me that her time in our, life, our lives was about over. And that, uh, or halfway over rather, and, and that I'd spent the first half of her life working all the time. And if I didn't change some of what I was doing, then, you know, I might miss out on the second half of her life with us. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean that in that at 18, you know, she exactly. would leave high school and go to college. That's really when and, it's know. over as far as your ch- child being at home. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so, um, so about four in the morning, I went home and uh, I woke my wife up and <laughs> <laughs> told her when she would, and, and she wasn't so unaccustomed to being woken up early in the morning as I was because I was working so hard. But I woke her up and I said, I uh, told her what I was going to do. I said, I, I, I rescheduled patients today and I'm going to take the kids to school and uh, I want to start reprioritizing how I'm doing. Welcome back to Discover Lafayette. We're here with licensed professional counselor, Sally Creed, who's written for Crying Out Loud, The Benefit of Emotional Tears, and the movies that bring them on. And I want to say before we jump back into our interview, if you haven't heard Brian Sibley's interview, we have his and about 280 others at discoverlafayette.net. Okay, so Sally, while you were talking, your book is so easily categorized. I was looking through, and you do give us steps on how to cry and the reasons for this and that. I want you to, if there's something else you wanted to get on about technique before we get into the kinds of movies that that touch people's heartstrings. Uh, well, I was just talking about how how to do the crying. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a client that I remember years and years ago when I was first starting out that I first met him when he came in with a girlfriend and they were having problems. And then I met, then he came back later after they had finished. He came back later. Um, they had broken up. And the one thing that saved him was he had a dog. It was a black lab. He'd had it for 10 years. And I didn't hear from him for months. And then he came in one day and said his dog died. And this is also in the book. And I said, so what are you going to do? And he was a young, young guy. And he said... I'm going to go get drunk. And I said, well, would you do me a favor? And he's like, what? And I said, I want you to go home, let everybody know you're okay, because he, mm-hmm. he had parents that lived out of town. And I want you to get out your dog leash, your dog collar, pictures of your dog, your dog toys, your dog's bed, and I want you to turn off anything, you know, any phones, whatever, and I want you to grieve for your dog. And I didn't think he would. I really didn't. But he called me the next morning and he said, Sally, I did what you said. And he goes, I cried and I cried and I cried. And I feel so much better. Thank you. And that was one of the first, that was way before I even mm-hmm. knew about this. Mm-hmm. But I just knew that sometimes you need to get it out. And so, you know, that's another reason if anybody had been in his house, he never would have done that. You no. know, he never would have. So it, the importance of just, Taking care of yourself by mm-hmm. giving yourself some time. Pick a day, and you know it doesn't have to be often. When I used to cry, um, and my husband would ask me, he'd say, "When are you going to watch Steel Magnolias?" <laughs> and I knew that meant you're you're a little hard to live yeah, with. Yeah, you're a little edgy. <laughs> and so I would I would watch it that weekend, and wow. I, would, I was fine because it would I would let it. Out. And I I used to do a lot of work with foster children, and I did a lot of. It, my job was so traumatic back mm-hmm. then, mm-hmm. and I often, I would often cry on the way home from work, and it would be late at night, it would be dark, and there were fields of cows, which 
it's all buildings now, but I would cry on the way home and get it out, you know, before I would, yeah. you know, see my family. Because it is, it, it's a, it can be a tough job when you work with children. And people that are able to cry, whether it's like this or any other way, Sally, they, they really got to be more in touch with who they are and what their feelings are. Huh? Yes. If you're able to release what's pent up, that's got to be um, just such a healthy thing. Well, one funny story. When I came up with the idea about writing this book, um, it was around the time that O.J. Simpson was on trial. Oh, yeah. And my, 94, 95, yeah. And my best friend, Mitzi, we were joking, and we said we should title the book, O.J. Should Have Cried. <laughs> <laughs> because maybe he wouldn't have done that. And I mean, that was just our joke yeah. for years. Yeah. But no, and people God gave me the that. name of this yeah. book, and I, and I love it. But the categories, and let me just say one that's not in here is laughing, laughter, funny mm-hmm. movies. Because laughter through tears is such a great release, and it actually can add years to your life. Really? It's different than crying, like, sad tears. But mm-hmm. um, And those are memorable occasions. If you're laughing that hard, you don't forget that for life. Just that's la- rare. Huh? Yes. Just last week, my sister pulled out some old family pictures, and we were <laughs> laughing at how ugly we looked and how Mom <laughs> had parted our hair right above our ears. And we all, Mom and my sister and I, got to laugh, and so and it just... it feels good to laugh. Yeah. And so a, a funny movie is a good thing to watch. Maybe that could be a second book. No, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. An appendix. I don't know if I have enough. Well, you've got a lot of categories, though. Um, it starts with chapter 11. So you've got like 10, 10 different uh, chapters, if you want to kind of talk about some of that. Well, I've asked people over the years and all my clients, you know, what's your crime movie? What's your crime movie? And so I had this list of these movies, but I kind of wanted them in an order so that if, you know, if you've lost somebody and you're grieving, then you don't need to go look at, you know, feel-good movies. Mm-hmm. So I put here the, the categories. The first one is abandonment movies. And, you know, the movie that comes to mind that everybody knows is uh, Sandra Bullock. It was filmed in Smithville, Texas. And, uh, oh, gosh, her name was Birdie. I've got to go look it up. I can't even remember the name of the movie. Mm-hmm. 32. Hope Floats. Hope Floats. Yeah, I haven't seen that. It sounds really good, though. Well, there's a scene in that movie that anybody that's ever had abandonment issues cries at that scene. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but uh, it's a great movie. This next category is childhood or family issues movies. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of people that have issues from their childhood. And I don't know. um, there's There's a movie. Oh, one of the fa- my favorite movies is, is Inside Out, and that's in this movie, in this category. Mm-hmm. And what I love about Inside Out, if you've not seen it, it's a, it's a cartoon movie. But there's all these emotions running through your brain, and these emotions are the control center. So Joy was always in control of this little 11-year-old girl, and she got lost in you know, the brain, and then anger took over. And it's really interesting because... The little girl ran away from home. What happened was her family moved clear across the country, and she left all of her friends and oh, her yeah. soccer team or mm-hmm. whatever sports it was. And then she got to a point where she got angry and was angry with her parents, and then she went to run away. And she's on a bus leaving, and sadness took over. And she started thinking about her mom and dad, and she ended up—I don't want to say how the movie ended, but 
the sadness was crucial. And I've, I've used this because I have these characters in my office and I'll show them to adults. Line these up in the order of appearance in your brain. Who's mm-hmm. running the show? Sadness has to show up for joy to come back. And in the movie, they show that, and it's really it's profound yeah. because she cried and cried and cried, and the anger dissipated, uh-huh. and joy came she back. She found joy. So that's and that's in these child yeah. and family movies. And there Kramer some, versus Kramer. That's a big one, mm-hmm. well known. Yeah. Oh, and it is in this category. A movie that I that one of my favorite. I, it's my job on film. I made my mom and dad go to the theater with me when it came out. It's called Disney's The Kid. And it's Bruce Willis. Mm-hmm. And I, I was told that he made the movie for his daughters because all of his movies were too violent for them. And so um, the, the, I think their curse word is holy smokes. Oh, really? That's all they say. But it's about um, Bruce Willis is a very, very successful image consultant. Mm-hmm. And an, he's a jerk. Uh-huh. And he gets visited by this eight-year-old kid. And it's him at eight. And he thinks that he has to help this kid get through something, but it's reversed. And what I love about it is the kid takes him back to a moment of trauma in his life at that age. And because of that, he cries. And, 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 they're like, we're gonna, and they say, we're going to call the wambulance. <laughs> and he cries, and that's when he gets himself back. And oh, I'm God. just like, oh. It sounds like a tearjerker, though, it's, for, for many it's of It's funny. Us. It's a funny movie, uh-huh. but there's moments of... Wow, you know, I've yeah. done that. Because he just stuffed the feeling. It's a great, great movie. Some of these movies, they are classics. Most of the movies in my book are classic movies, but with a few current ones thrown in, but they are just great. So I've got The Child and Family. Then um, you've got Feel Good. Then Feel Good movies. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of uh, movies that are just so great that you cry. Yeah, and all all of these feel good movies, I cried at every one of them. Well, and the those Blind Side, oh, I mean, is just beautiful. That you was know? great. Yeah, and the War Room. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've seen that. But I haven't that's seen that one. A great movie. Yeah, I like then, Hoosiers too. With Gene Hackman. Yes. That was beautiful. Um, and and like We Are Marshall. I don't know if you've seen that. That's about a football team. I think uh, I did that see that. It was yeah. a car, uh, plane crash. Mm-hmm. So you are you know what happens in some of them, but it's still a yeah. fantastic movie. And then my next category is grief and loss. And that is obviously the most, there's more movies in that category than anywhere mm-hmm. else in the book. Just Probably pages and pages. That most of us have seen, too. Yes. Like and, Brian's song. Oh, How classic is that? Do you know that in the book that I did my research on, William Fry's book, that was listed because really? that's how they collected tears. With the people that they studied. They would play. That movie? Brian's song. It was oh. a movie of the week. Yeah, it was just on TV, right? Yes. But I mean, I don't even know if it's still on. I guess you can get all these through you streaming services, huh? You can, you can get it usually on Amazon. There, there's a few in here I had trouble finding, mm-hmm. but you can get that one. I'm pretty sure. Um, but yeah, F- Field of Dreams. A lot of I men that. say that's one of their cry movies, and that deals with a lot of um, grief. And, and happiness, yeah. but a bunch of them. There are Maya, a lot here. Yeah, love story. <laughs> my cathartic movie was Love Comes Softly. It's uh, it's a Janet Oakey, Oak novel, and I didn't know anything about it. And somebody, a year after my husband died, someone said, oh, that's a great movie. You need to watch it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what it was. I just put it on. And, of course, I'm alone. Were you bawling? 
Did it, get, I, did it work? I didn't even get up and get a Kleenex. I was using the bed sheets, if you really want to know. I was like sobbing my eyes oh. out. Was, and, and so much came off of me in uh-huh. watching that because, you know, when my husband died, I went to, I, I worked, I saw five clients that day. I you had did? to. I, I had oh. to. And then my son was still at home. My kids never saw me curled up in a ball crying. I just moved on mm-hmm. because I had to. And that was when I went and. and let it all out. But anyway, there's a lot of great movies in that one. Yeah, this looks like the biggest category. Mm-hmm. Man. And then Injustice and Unfairness movies. Oh, boy. Oh, I can't stand to see anything, any animal, any person get hurt. And and I will, yeah, and my husband doesn't like watching those movies. My husband now doesn't like watching those movies with me because I start yelling at the TV. Well, here's the one my daughter Taylor was telling you about, Patch Adams. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful movie. And that's movie. a true story, too. Right, right. The Color Purple, To Kill a Mockingbird. I mean, these are beautiful movies. And uh, one movie you've probably never heard of is The Book Thief. Mm-mm. And I, as I'm writing this book, I was like telling my husband, we need to watch these. These are good. And that was a really good, good it's during the uh, Nazi takeover. It, really good, really, really good movie. Mm-hmm. Green Mile, all these movies. And then, of course, the biggest category, I cried all of these, is love of animals. Love of animals. Oh, my and goodness. They just pull every heartstring. And yeah. Hachi. Everybody everybody knows about Hachi. <laughs> but one of my favorite animal movies is My Dog Skip. I know. My it daughters a, can't watch it, though. It has a great ending. Nothing bad happens no, to the dog. but it's, it's so scary. But Yeah, it <laughs> is. For a time. It is. But yeah, it's a beautiful my, the, movie. The ending is what guts mm-hmm. me. Oh, and where the red fern grows. And the funny thing about the, this, these categories, originally I had gone online and copied what they were about and, and pasted. Well, that's all copyrighted. Oh, so I had Sally, to go all write 100, your own stuff. All 150 movies, I had to go rewrite what it was about. And so I tell stories of us, like mm-hmm. where, where the red fern grows. I talk about when I first saw it. My son was four. And it's a funny story because I was crying. Mm-hmm. And my daughter was looking at me like, what is wrong with you? So you went and sat in front of them to finish the <laughs> I movie. I sat in front of her. And, and then I turned around, and there's my little four-year-old with crocodile tears. Aww. And I thought, oh, he's so tenderhearted. Yeah. But we know. I mean, old Yeller got Mar- Marley and me. Now, that's a guaranteed tearjerker. Well, I saw that four days before my husband passed away, and I knew he was dying. And my kids were like, oh, let's go see this. And I'm like, oh, Okay. And I'm like, yeah, Jennifer I Aniston, hate, what's, you know, I hate this dog. I'm not going to cry. I hate mm-hmm. this dog. And then all of a sudden, I'm just sobbing my eyes out. Okay, next is Power of Love movies. This has got to have love story in it, huh? No. No, um, it doesn't. No. A love story is in grief movies. Okay. But Imitation of Life is the, <laughs> yeah. that's the movie I can only watch every 10 years. That's mm-hmm. in there. On Golden Pond, it's yeah. the last movie with Henry Fonda, Henry and, Fonda Jane and his Fonda. daughter. Yeah. Yeah, these are great. The people you meet, five people you meet in heaven. Mm-hmm. My Mitch album, yeah. And then sacrifice movies mm-hmm. and uh, like Glory. That was the first black uh, African American um, regiment during the American Civil War, and it's a great movie. I mean, Denzel Washington is yeah. in that movie. It's a great movie, but oh, it guts you. And then Schindler's, Schindler's List. List. Oh no, that's I, one of the most beautiful movies, though. I loved it. I never saw it until this summer when it was oh, you didn't listed. See it? No, and beautiful movie. I didn't think I could handle it. The girl in the little red coat. Yes. I mean, I guess people that are listening may have seen that, but that's probably to me one of the most important movies I've seen that yes. brings home the you know how sad it was. How sad that war. Yeah. 
what happened in World War II. Yeah, and then tragedy and trauma. <laughs> yeah, we've seen several of these. I'm trying to think what is the movie with, uh, I can't think of the name of it. I don't even know if it's in here. Um, Shawshank, yeah, it is. Yeah. Shawshank Redemption, because mm-hmm. Morgan Freeman is one of my favorite actors, and I just saw this. This I didn't think I could get through that one, and it was a beautiful, beautifully yeah. done movie. Yeah. So anyway, very, very good movies in this book yeah, that, and it gives that you may or of, may not make you cry. Right, but it's also a nice reference for just wonderful classic movies. That's what I liked about it. Whether or not you're going to cry, it's a great resource. It is. Yeah. And the last category is triumph movies. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know very many men who have not cried at Rudy because that that's movie. all he wanted in his life yeah. was to play for Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And it and it just, it's, it, and they're triumph. Rocky is Rocky. a triumph movie. Cinderella Man. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of movies. The Natural with Robert oh, Redford's yeah. classic. Yeah. So it's just, and I yeah. tell people, it, this is a resource book that you're going to want to keep where you have your television. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're going to sit and, and it's, it's, and everyone says, oh, one and two page chapters, man, that's pretty cool. It is. Until you get to the, the movies. Yeah. So I sat down last uh, Thursday evening, Sally, because I realized, oh my goodness, we're going to be meeting, you know, today, it's a Monday. And I was really able to read it just very, um, I guess, superficially. And then I dove back in. I looked at the list of movies, and I went back to kind of study what you said about the importance of releasing our emotions. Yes. You know, and you'd much rather be crying over a poignant movie than like if you hit your hand with a hammer or something, you know, like you want to cry in a productive way. But I'm not one that really cries a lot either. Mm. And I know it's because sometimes it can be scary to let go. A lot of people have told me, if I start crying, I don't think I'm ever going to stop. And I said, that's not true. That's why I say, when you start crying, time it five to 20 minutes. That's all you need. And then and go, you can stop? Most people can. Uh, if, you, if you have a really hard cry. Mm-hmm. And if you're watching Steel Magnolias, just hit play. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll start laughing. But, you know, I say, if it's at night, lay down and go to sleep because you're mm-hmm. exhausted. But mm-hmm. if it's during the day, go get lemonade, go fix you something. Yeah. You know, and then get on with your day. Mm-hmm. But if you never let it out, then you walk around with that fear of, you know. And, and I know when I need to cry because I'll watch a commercial and I'll have a tear leak out. And I'm like, what's that from? And I'm like, okay, I've got an, my tank else. is full. I yeah. need to dump it. Writing this book, I'm, I'm curious, um, you had to put a lot of thought into it. And you're taking the experience that you've gained over your 30 years with your, your patients. Has it changed the way that you're talking with your patients now that you completed this book, uh, does it does it help you like in your practice besides asking what's your crime movie? Do you see people in a different light? You know? Well, because this book's been in my head for thirty years, and uh, just I just pretty much compiled it in March and just put it together. Mm-hmm. But it has back in the day when I came upon this. I've been telling people the formula. In fact, I used to do trauma um, seminars on how to deal with trauma. Mm-hmm. And I've, I showed clips of several movies during that. And, and I've just been harping on this, you know, because when you listen to people and they start talking, they, they will start crying. And yeah. it's just a beautiful thing to see. And one of the things I said is when you're with a friend and they start crying, people don't know what to do. And it's just sit there. Do not hand them a Kleenex, because I learned that in grad school. If you hand a person a Kleenex, it says, dry it up. 
dry oh, your eyes. Stop. You don't mean that. No, you're just trying you know, to be helpful. But it, that's the message. And so as a therapist, I've got clean, I think I have three Kleenex boxes nearby, wherever anyone's sitting. And they can get it themselves. And they can get it. Yeah. And if they don't get it, I don't, it doesn't bother me. Don't get it. Do you just sit there? It's, it's probably not good to try to put your arms around them oh, either. No, no. I don't. We're not allowed to touch our clients. I no, just, not you, I, but like if it was a, a friend. friend. Yeah. You can, like you can put a hand on their shoulder, and, mm-hmm. you know. But I mean, I, I think losing my husband and going through some of that, knowing there was nothing anybody could say to me because I didn't know what was next. I didn't know what, you know, what happens now. But I was able to cry with, you know, uh, I'm not going to go into it in, on this interview, but I had a moment where something reminded me of my husband, and my son wasn't home. My daughter was off in college, and I thought, I'm fixing to go down the rabbit hole. And I called a friend, Tracy, I'll never forget, and I said, what are you doing? And she goes, I'm driving to Walmart. What are you doing? And I couldn't answer. Mm. And she says, I'm on my way. She turned around and came over and got me out of the house and let me cry and it was beautiful because I needed that, and I was okay. And that normally wasn't like that. Normally I can mm-hmm. cry, but at that, that was even before I ever watched that movie I was telling you about. Yeah. So I had been holding in a bunch of stuff, and so, um, yeah. But it's, it's not good to hold things in. It's just mm-hmm. not. And so if you don't have a friend that you can talk to and you don't have a movie you can watch, talking to somebody that really understands you know, and there there are some good grief counselors. That's not my specialty, believe it or not. But there are some really good grief counselors that are helpful. We have a grief grief uh, therapy group at Asbury. Is it good to go? You know, it's grief just, share. Yeah, grief share. Yes. Is it good to go to those things? Uh, yes. Um, that's not where you're going to have your ugly cry. No. You know, you might. You but, get support, but it's but just I've never the support and the uh, hearing that I'm not alone because people think they're crazy. They think, oh, I can't get through this. I'm crazy, and and I, I jokingly say I'm a cheerleader. You know, I don't care my little pom poms, but I'm like, yes, you can get through this. Mm-hmm. And I love to tell people, you're not crazy. You're you're going through something that you've not handled before, and you don't know what's going to happen. And being a widow myself in the past has been helpful because I kind of understand what oh, it is they're feeling. Yeah. And uh, for me, my concern was for my kids, you know, because their dad was, they were so close to their dad. My son, that was his best friend. And he died rather quickly from, from illness. Oh, you're not going to believe it. Um, we put him in the hospital December 1st. Nobody knew. Doctors didn't know. The 10th day, they did a endoscopy, I think, and discovered a mass. Mm. So the next day or that weekend, I don't remember, they did surgery and said, came back and said, oh, he's eaten up with cancer. There's no hope. And they cut as much as they could out of his stomach. It was terminal. from, the, And then he died on the 30th. Oh so goodness. there was no time. I mean, the good thing is he didn't suffer long. Yeah. But my son was 15. That was his best friend. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and he struggled for years. And he's, he's not over. You never get over that. But he's doing well. Good. And, and we my should say you've, you have... You're remarried. Yes. Yeah. Here in Lafayette. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Don, he's a great guy. Good. Yeah. But I still kept my, I kept Creed. I didn't take his name. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Anything we didn't talk about that you wanted to bring up? No, not that I know of, other than I have followed this advice for years, and I think that's why I'm still practicing, why I'm still sane, why I've not you know, lost my mind. Mm-hmm. I do think I'm within a year of retirement. Um, 
I'm going to be 65 next year and I'm done. <laughs> so, but I, I still enjoy it. It's, it's the best thing ever. And I, I love people. Would so. you accept a, a new patient if someone called you? A client. A client. Okay. Oh, I do. I still do. Uh-huh. Um, How can people reach you? Well, if, if you want to give me a recommendation for a book that I've left, I mean, a movie that I've left out, it, um, I have an email, cryingbook22 at gmail.com. But I have a website, sallycreed.com. The book is available on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And I'll probably, uh, Barnes & Noble has it, but they probably, I don't have it there yet. It's, I'm still waiting on my copies because mm-hmm. it's so new. Is this self-published? I saw it said Archway Publishing. Archway published it for me. I went with a professional publisher because of copyright, and I wanted to yeah. make sure I didn't do anything to step on toes. Wouldn't or not be something to get sued, and you're just trying to help right. people? you know. So I went through a, a publisher, uh-huh. and they're a subsidiary of Simon & Schuster. Oh, great. And so I had a friend that used to work for Simon & Schuster mm-hmm. years ago when I first got the idea, and he goes, oh, we'll publish it for you. So that's why I went with Archway. Great. Well, I've enjoyed this, and... and um, you just have a special heart for people. I want to thank you, Sally thank Creed, you. for sharing your story, your personal story, too, and the message that it's it's good or great, we should say, to cry. So, it is. Thank you, Jan. Yeah. I want to thank our listeners for your loyal support. If you haven't subscribed yet, please consider um, subscribing to Discover Lafayette anywhere you get your podcast. I also want to thank our sponsors. We couldn't do this without the support of Home Bank. Lafayette Surgical Specialty Hospital, and of course, Raider, and in particular, Jason Sikora, who mixes our tape. On behalf of Discover Lafayette, thank you for joining us. I'm Jan Swift.